and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. I'm sure you will all be feeling the drag of the Christmas rush by now but hopefully also getting at least a tad excited to see the light at the end of the tunnel within reach. I also hope that you've been showered with tips and chocolates too. This week, I'm speaking to Rich Smith. I've known Rich for quite a few years now. When I first started handling, I first remember watching him in the ring, thinking how elegant the dog looked and how easy he made it look. Then I stepped in the ring myself and soon realised that it isn't. I've spoken to several groomers about what they've learnt from showing as I have found many of the groomers that succeed in the competition ring have also shown or still show. So I wanted to quiz Rich a bit more as he's so experienced on what he likes about showing, what gets him up early on a weekend morning and keeps him excited about his hobby. I also wanted to get some of his advice about being in the salon at the run up to Christmas, as that's precisely what we are all doing right now. Although he is most well known for his stunning Bichon grooms and for handling Bichons in the ring, His knowledge of many breeds is endless and he is always happy to share it. Rich has been grooming over 20 years. He has successfully competed in many a grooming competition with his best moment winning Reserve Best in Show at Groomer of the Year. Rich has also judged at grooming competitions and has successfully been grooming and handling Bichons in the show ring for over 10 years and more recently has been judging too. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Here we go. Hi Rich, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. How are you today? Hello Carla, I'm good thank you. How are good. you? Yeah, glad to hear it. I'm alright, nice easy day at work today, so that's good. Would you just start by sort of introducing yourself a bit and telling us about the sort of salon that you run as well? Yeah, certainly can. Um, my name's Rich Smith and I'm a dog groomer from Kettering, Northampton yeah. in the Midlands. Um, I've been grooming since I was 19 and I started off in a small salon and then I moved my way up, got a bigger salon and employed staff and had all that carry on for quite a number of years. But I've changed things recently. So I've not got any staff now. And um, I've also got a little salon at home where I do some private work, some private tuition and one-to-ones and stuff with other groomers. And people as well not just groomers people that exhibit as well at dog shows and I've got a lady that works with me called Natalie she's she's been with me pretty much about a year or two after I started and she was employed by me but now we are two separate people 
if you, if that makes sense. We yeah. are. She's self-employed now. Yeah, uh, I see what you mean. I got a bit fed up of employing people. Not fed up with her. I had we had bathers and I had dryers and and stylists and stuff. And I've just got a bit fed up trying to organise everybody as well as my own life. Yeah, I was going to say what made you decide to sort of go back down again. It sounds. It always sounds really full on when people have big salons with lots of staff yeah, and lots of things. And, and there's so much to think about and everybody else obviously has got a life of their own as well. And when you're the owner or the manager or the boss, whatever, and you're and, and people are, are coming in on these days and that days are working for you and you have to deal with sickness, you have to, you know, there's just... Yeah, I got fed up of dealing with all that side of, of being an employer. Yeah, basically, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this myself now and just change things a little bit. So it's just me and Natalie in there now. Yeah, we've got a, yeah. a young lad at the moment who's doing work experience from the local college. He's coming once a week, but other than that, it's just us two. And then when I'm at home in my home salon, it's just me. So it's uh, quite different. But yeah, I really it. like working for myself by myself for exactly the same reason. Um, I just think, like you say, if you've got staff and they're sick or you've got other things going on, they've got other things going on and they can't be in the salon as much, you sort of end up juggling your own customers and excess and it sort of all, all takes its toll, doesn't it? When you're the owner of that business and, you know, there is sickness and, and I know people get ill and stuff. I yeah, of course. Like, you know, you, you've still, you, you, as the owner of the business, you've still got to foot the bill for everything when, yeah. you know, when that member of staff being absent for whatever reason is mm. going to impact on, you know, the money that your business is going to take. Yeah. Uh, and the, the cost of running the salon as well, as we all know, have skyrocketed over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, that was another factor. I was just like, right, I'm just going to try and consolidate things a little bit more, try and have a better quality of life and not just be stressed and worrying about the grooming salon 24-7. And it seems a better, it's, it's working all right for me anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and if it keeps things less stressful, then that's definitely, definitely exactly. better. And like you say, with things going up, it's it's your salon, it's your rates, and then it's your personal life, it's your equipment, it's it's everything that's going up, isn't it? Even your like your your petrol, everything. <laughs> Every little mortal thing. So yeah, every single thing. So when it comes to being outside of work, obviously you spend a lot of time around the show ring. Yeah. Um, how I, I am interested like did you start showing first and then go into grooming or did you groom first and that got you in the show ring well it's a bit mixed really it's a bit okay. of a mix because <laughs> i already dipped my toe into showing when i was a when i was a teenager because right. um my dad had english setters okay and he used to show them locally just to open little open shows and stuff he wasn't really hardened exhibitor he didn't go every to all the big champ shows and that he'd probably do a couple of championship shows a year yeah mainly shows so i used to go to the dog shows with him and then my mum my mum and dad weren't together at this point and okay. i was about 14 i think and my mum got a peak peak and ease oh lovely a little black one called max he had a little white ball he was really cute and i like peaks especially the black ones oh, i love them they're, they're little characters they really are um, the lady who ran the ring craft that i very first went to when i first started showing she yeah. had black peaks yeah they're good little black. characters aren't they uh, real characters so so she got him max and i got it into my head that i wanted to take him to a couple of dog shows the lady that bred him did show as well 
that that was she just lived up the road there was I mean there were so many more breeders around then but um yeah she lived up the road so we got him from her and we t- I took him to a few open shows with my dad he had his English setter and I had Peak and um <laughs> lovely but he really loved my mum but he didn't really like anybody else <laughs> was a bit of a grump so I got an- we then got another Peak primarily for me to show he was like a fawn colored one he was he was nice so showed him for a little while again nothing serious I qualified him for crafts and then I stepped away from the showing again even I'd always loved it I'd watch crafts on tv every year and wanted to do it and all that ever since I was a kid and then when I was 16 I left school was working what have you and then I started Mm -hmm. when I was 19 yeah and then I'd been grooming for a number of years and then my mum again wanted another dog. She didn't have any dogs at this time and she was looking at a Bichon. Okay. And I thought, oh right, great. Um something that I can groom. Yeah. I wanted I wanted something to compete with at grooming competitions. So we got Arthur. I was going to compete with him and I did some grooming competitions with him and then a couple of people commented that he was quite a nice little Bichon. You know, have you ever thought about showing him? Um, I took him to the local ring craft and on the match night, it, it was like the, he won best in match or something like that. And I've kind of got the bug a little bit again. And then it just mm-hmm. went from me. And that was, oh, I don't know, 11 years, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, something like that. Blimey. Yeah. And so with you sort of like being showing for quite a long time now, what is yeah. it like about showing that keeps you going back like what is it you enjoy there's lots of things I love about it obviously I'm a quite competitive person so I think you have to have that to do anything competitive you have to have that competitive streak inside you whatever it is that you're doing so obviously there is that you know the the thrill of the win it's a good feeling if you have a big win it is a good buzz you know what I mean get a bit of a kick out of it I love the thing about dog showing is it's kind of like grooming in, in in the way that you can never stop learning with it. You can learn something each time you go, no matter how long you've been doing it for. You can you can learn you, you can go there and pick up one little tip and it can make a big difference. Just all sorts. I love I just I love seeing all the different breeds, all the friends that you make, and you know they become like kind of an extended family really a little bit. Because especially during the summer, there's there's a dog show practically every weekend, a big dog show. So yeah, it's um, there's lots of things I love about it. Yeah, yeah. And what what do you sort of like feel like when you're in the ring? I get a little bit nervous before I go in. Not massively, but even even now, you know, you get a little bit because obviously you're in there and you know you want to do your best and you want your dog to do well and your dog to be good. But once I get in the ring, that kind of all goes, and I just focus on what I've got to do and you know concentrating on the dog and, and all of it and everything that's going on in the ring. I don't pay any attention to what's going on outside of the ring once I'm in there. I just focus on what I've got to do, what I want the dog to do and what's happening in the ring. Yeah, and I kind of think like at a dog show, like when you're in the ring, it's like the calm in the storm. You know, like when you've got the tornado and then you've got the calm bit in the middle. Like when you go into a dog show, I find like you've got quite a lot of noise going on. You've got the dogs barking. You've got everyone getting ready. You've sort of got all your adrenaline running. You might... Like I don't like you've been doing it a lot longer than me, but I might have a bit bit of nerves when I go in, uh, yeah. maybe feel a bit anxious. But then like it's weird how like all of the build up is like the nervy bit. But then when you actually get in the ring, it's like, all right, I've just got to do this now. <laughs> it's like... yeah, exactly. It's um it's a big build up, and then you know you're not you're not always in the ring for that long. No. 
like it always seems like the calmest place to be out of everywhere that you can stand at a dog show there's so much hustle and bustle going on outside of the ring you know people banging around coming in with their show trolleys like you say you know dogs barking and stuff and people chatting and that yeah it's it is kind of then you're in that ring and I just zone out really and what would you say like is the best um advice that you've ever had about handling or about dog showing um well the best advice really about handling that I've been told is you know with regards to going back to what you say about you know getting nervous and stuff which everybody gets nervous I know people that have been showing dogs for like 40 years and they still get a little bit nervous before they go in but the trick is to not let that nerves take over if it takes over you and you're really really nervous that feeling and, and that anxiety can run down to the lead and ultimately the, the dog can start to feel how you're feeling because they obviously they pick up on our emotions and how we're feeling and stuff. And if you're all het up and wound up, it can have an effect on your dog as well. So you've got to try and, and keep it calm so that it doesn't go down to the lead. That's probably the best bit of advice I've had because I used to get really nervous. Okay. Um, when I first started, like I would get, like feel really nervous and anxious and I'd feel a bit sick before I went in. But mm-hmm. it's like anything, the more and more you do it, the more you become accustomed to it, don't you? And you can yeah. deal with that. I was going to say, when when you did used to feel like that, is there anything that you'd do, like, before you went in, just to give yourself a couple of minutes or <laughs> have a fag? <laughs> uh, no, but um, since I've, you know, I'm, I'm not telling people to go out there and smoke and stuff. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have a cigarette, I'd go out or I'd, I'd take myself off for a little bit with the dog just before we go into the ring have a little little stroll around together if there's a quiet area you can go with your dog to just kind of get in the zone and get ready to go in and prepared really you know I hate going into something when I'm not prepared for it I always think if you feel like you're prepared in your head you can kind of tackle anything that's thrown at you yeah I think that's a really good outlook to have actually just in general I try and be prepared for most things I mean I know you can't prepare for everything because you never know what's going to happen you know you can go a dog, you know, do a big poo while you're walking him around, or <laughs> you know, all sorts of things happen. You know, we've all we've all been. There. But if you've taken five minutes to go outside with your dog, like you say, then the likelihood is is they're going to go for a wee or something, and then that's going to stop them sort of fidgeting around in the ring, and then making you feel more nervous. And then, it, like you say, it turns into a bit of a circle. Then, so I actually think that's quite good advice. So now we're obviously getting quite close to Christmas. Um, I was going to ask you about some of the things or we was going to have a chat about some of the things that we sort of think are good to do in the run up to Christmas or a bit of advice in the run up to Christmas. So I know you've got a couple together. Do you want to sort of put a few out there? Yeah, I think obviously in the in the madness of the Christmas rush, it's really important to keep yourself hydrated and fed. Yeah, that's a, that's a biggie because, you know, we're all guilty of just not even having a break when it's that busy, just working through and just, I don't know, grabbing a bit of chocolate or something. But I've started doing a bit of like batch cooking on a Monday when I'm not working. God, I sound so old. Yeah, no, uh, it's sensible. <laughs> you know, and then you just batch it all up, you know, a bit like what the gym goers do when they're doing all their protein foods and all that. But I just take one to work, whack it in the microwave and that's it. Job done. You just eat it as you go yeah I'm, you know what it's like being a groomer yourself you don't always have time to sit down and mess around you know getting your lunch together especially on Christmas week so I think yeah. keeping updated and keeping fed's really good really I think really... that sticking to the basics like you say like it's the it's the absolute basics isn't it food and drink 
and yeah. I'm the same I, I really do have to do it so I get the shakes otherwise if yeah. if it's a normal day I'm not so bad but running up to Christmas when you've got maybe that extra dog a day or that few more yeah. things to get through I really have to eat because otherwise I end up getting the shakes and I can literally see my scissors and that's when I know I've got to go and eat something yeah definitely you, you've got to do it even if it's just something small as well just don't ram too many dogs in and just because you'll end up burning yourself out and then by the time Christmas comes around you'll just feel like shit mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I can swear or not but yeah you can yeah and I think all of, I think a lot of groomers have been there I've definitely done it took me a couple of years to get out of that habit because it just ruins the day doesn't it you work up yeah. to Christmas Eve you know like you say I've done it before and I've had I've been I've been so ill because if you're bang 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 all those days up to Christmas not really stopping then I think when you do stop your mm-hmm. body stops and then it just hits you and then you just I've, I've had a couple of Christmas days where I've been like really ill and it just ruins your Christmas and it just ain't worth it because your customers ain't going to care no how you in, you know the everyday the, you know your, every, your everyday customers not not going to give a shit to be quite honest they've got no. their dog that's all they care about you know and yeah. and people phoning up you know and 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 moaning and whinging you know phoning up a week before Christmas and, and you're trying to squeeze them in it's their fault for not being organized and and not getting their dog booked in when they know that anyone that's a regular at the groomers knows that you always get busy in December yeah. so it's not your fault as the groomer if they're not prepared so don't kill yeah, yourself basically because they wouldn't do it for you <laughs> no I totally agree with you and I used to do that back when I first started and it would be exhausting I'd be working like 10 12 hour days in the run up to Christmas and then you can't get up and enjoy Christmas day because you're too bloody tired to do anything it takes you till new year to bloody get over Christmas week and then before you know it it's only a week before you're back to work exactly and not only that as well if you're ramming in all those dogs the quality of the work's going to go down as well yeah obviously you don't want to happen obviously you, we're always going to be busier on Christmas week but you still want to be able to keep the quality of your work to a certain standard that your customers used to yeah like I tend to in the run-up to Christmas maybe work an extra dog a day but I'll put it on the end of the day and I finish later rather than thinking right I'm taking 15 minutes off this dog and 30 minutes off this dog do you know what I mean I'm not cutting groom times down but I definitely agree with you there I think that's that was one thing that I had on my list don't just ram and ram and ram them in because I actually remember one Christmas I went in the salon and before I started I just curled up next to the bath on the floor leaning up against the wall and I was just like I don't even want to open the door today you just get yourself in a mess don't you because you know what's going to happen when you open the door it's sort of had days like that not not even on Christmas you know it's people don't realize how difficult it is being self-employed like if you're ill I've had days where I've just been so ill and you know you do you do a dog and you have you just sit down and die for 10 minutes before you, you yeah. do your next because it's so difficult sometimes a taking time off because you, you know you've got bills to pay and and b letting your customers down and it's not as if you're working for Tesco's you can just phone up oh sorry I'm not coming in today you have to find yeah. like tell them you're not coming in today so yeah and you feel like you have to sound ill as well even if you're right. do you know what I mean and you think I shouldn't have to feel like this but you do yeah but again I think to myself now I'm so different I think it's because it's like anything you get long in the tooth with it now I don't if I'm ill and I cancel it now if I and I cancel people now I'll just do it and I think to myself they don't give a shit I have people ringing me up an hour before I've got a cold I'm not I can't come today and I think or you've got a cold surely you can just drop the dog off it's not gonna kill you <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean so I just I try and think now 
well, they wouldn't do it for me. Yeah. And as long no. as you're polite about it, you're generally feeling yeah. ill and there's hopefully somewhere you can reschedule them to, then it is what it is. Um, one of the ones that I had down was trying to get a good night's sleep in the run-up to Christmas, which can be really difficult because I don't know about... I, I think you're the same as me. I'm not a good sleeper. I think I've seen... I, know, I don't know many groomers that actually are, weirdly. I know a lot of groomers and a lot of them have sleep problems. Yeah, I know quite a few. Yeah, and it, sometimes it can be getting to sleep. Sometimes it's keep waking up. Sometimes I'm the worst one for waking up at roughly 2, two o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and that's it. I'm awake until 5, half 5, fall back asleep for an hour, alarm clock goes off, and it's like, oh, I feel like I've had nothing. Yeah, I've been there. I can get to sleep okay, never a problem, but I'm the same. Wake up at stupid o'clock, can't get back to sleep. And then you, you know, then you find yourself, not, you say, drifting off a little bit later on. And then probably half an hour later, your alarm goes off and you just don't want to get up. So no. it must be something to do with our job. It must be maybe because we're on our feet all day or concentrating. Yeah. That's it. You're concentrating on so many things. And it's like, a, it's almost like, I think it's, in a way, it, it's not because you know you get different breeds you've got different trims you've got different things you're doing so you've got a lot of variety there but at the same time it is dog comes in dog goes in the bath dog goes on the table dog goes on the floor next dog comes in dog goes in the bath it, so it is a bit like a sandwich line in a way do you know what i mean when you're competitive yeah obviously not every trim's the same but the general order in what you do things yeah well i would have thought would be the same it is for me anyway yeah, so it's continuous in a similar routine, but you've also got loads of things to think about as well. Because like you say, there is variety within that. It's physical, yeah. it's non-stop. And then you stop in the evening, sit down, eat. Some people eat a bit late maybe. And then sometimes I think it's hard to sleep after that. You know, it's oh, just the winding down period, isn't it? Yeah, you need you need that cut off point, I think. And I think being on your phone and, and all that doesn't help either before you go to sleep. But we're all doing no. I'm the worst for that. I did get some good advice. Summer, I went to like a relaxation. It was a bit like a hippie sort of festival thing. And they had lots of relaxation things going on. And there was this sleep lady there. And she said to me, the best tip that I can give you is get in your pajamas at like six, half six. Then have your dinner, sit down, get yourself comfortable. Because then when you feel like you're going to fall asleep... You don't have to do the whole getting up, going into, you know, getting changed, getting cold as you're getting changed, all that sort of thing. You're yeah. literally ready to just brush your teeth and go to bed. Yeah, that's pretty so good. She said, in a way, it's like it sometimes pops. when you've had a busy day, it's easy to just sit on the sofa in whatever you're wearing and then think, oh, I'll have a shower before bed or whatever. And then you're kind of waking yourself up before you go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Like, I, I fall asleep on the sofa a lot when I'm watching TV. Me and too. I'm, I'm out for the count. And Luke, my partner, he's terrible for it. He would literally, you'll put a film on and he'll be asleep within like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then then you wake yourself up, like you say, to go to bed. So you have to get up, wake myself up, sort the dogs out, put them to yeah. bed, like you say, brush your teeth, get a drink, whatever. And then by the time you get to bed, you're wide awake again, aren't you? So yeah, that makes I'll sense, to- doesn't it? Mm. (laughs) and the last thing that i put down was i every year i do this i go away for the last week of november even if it's just for three days three or four days because i think that you need a little bit of a break out of the salon before you're going to dive back in for december and also as well i find i was talking about this to my friend actually dion it's good to have a friend isn't it in the you know who does the same job 
who, um, especially if you, um, lot, a lot of groomers work on their own, so they don't really have anyone to talk to, do they? Me and Dion are always voicing over each other, and a lot of the topics are obviously about work. And, you know, she was saying, like, the, the last week of November and the, some going into the first week of December, customers are so flaky on those couple of weeks anyway. They're cancelling yeah. their appointments, they're peeing you around. Um, they're trying to hold off because they want it. They're trying to get in near as nearer to Christmas. So, like you say, that's a pretty good idea to have a holiday at the end of November because it's a funny old, it's a funny old couple of weeks. I yeah, find. this this year we just got back from the Isle of Wight. We've just been over there for about four days. Last yeah. November we went to Scotland, and it's mm. just it doesn't really matter where you go. It doesn't even matter if you're just off at home. It's just getting that little. Like you say, the flake that is a flaky week. I think I think everyone struggles at the end of November getting customers in because, like you say, everyone wants them looking mint yeah. for Christmas. Do, yeah, and then those last two weeks of December, you get hit like a steam train, don't you? Yeah, like, pummeled. So yeah, it's, it is not. It's good to have that little bit of like you say, torn away. They don't let the customer take the piss out of you. Yeah, because. You know what people are like, oh, can I come a bit later? Oh, can I just drop them off a little bit earlier? Oh, you know, and when you're really busy, you don't need that added stress. They come at that time, dog has to be collected at that time. Don't let them stress you out just because they want to go and do their Christmas shopping or put their tree up or go out for lunch and stuff like that. It's I, I try and bend over backwards for my customers, but when it's really busy in those two weeks, I, it, I think it's important to just be a little bit firmer and say, look, we are really busy. You know, yeah. we try and take you the best we can, but don't let them rule you. Especially, I think online. that's really good advice because there is so much to think about already. That you know, on a normal day, if it's a one-off, okay, this one time. But yeah. in Christmas week, you've just got so much going on. You don't need that extra stress because yeah. that extra dog—that's one more that might be barking at something. If one starts barking, you know what it's like. They all then start. Oh, I'm going to be half an hour late bringing him in. No, no, that's not going to work. That's going to ruin the whole schedule of my day. And it happens. I find it does happen a lot that week because people have got a lot to do themselves. They're getting ready yeah. for Christmas. And I think some people think, oh, it's only the dog. It's only the dog groomers. They'll be all right. But they don't realise that we're under pressure that week as well. Yeah. So be firm with your customers. Doesn't need yeah. to be horrible. I sound like I hate my clients, but no, I've really no. got some wonderful clients that I love a lot. But, you know, you can't let people take advantage of your good nature. No, and because I work by myself, like literally just by myself, I have two pens in my salon one for one that's coming in one for one that's going out and if one of those cage, if both them cages are full then i can't i can't have a third dog in there i'm not having a dog walking around on my salon floor when i'm busy or i'm not having it any time of the year but especially on christmas week when i've got loads to be doing so i, I unfortunately just say to my customers like i'm really sorry i can't i've got nowhere to put them it's not safe so it's not and it's not safe you're right yeah so final questions what do you find most rewarding about being a dog groomer now and has that changed over time i think i still even after all these years find when you put a dog down on the floor when you've finished grooming it because i still even though i am a bit of a perfectionist it's just the way i am mm -hmm. i still no matter what dog i have in i'll try and try and <coughs> i'll try and do the best possible trim that I can do on that dog and I still get that buzz of putting a dog down when they're finished looking at them and thinking oh yeah that looks really good I'm quite proud of myself with that or, yeah that's good or, or I live in a pretty small town if you're driving along the street and you see a dog walking up the road you think well that looks quite smart and then you get a bit close and you think oh it's one of my clients 
<laughs> I've done that. <laughs> and then you feel like, oh, whoop. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, that looks good. And then you go, oh, it's actually one more. <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self about working as a dog groomer? I think I would give the advice probably that I've, a lot of the stuff that I've just said to you about yeah. about thinking about yourself more and, and what's good for your health and your head and the way you're feeling and, and stuff like that. And also not to worry so much about what other people think. You know, as long as you're doing the right thing, not everyone's going to agree with what you do or like what you do, but as long as you're trying your best. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. I really do. Because we do, as groomers, we always you know it's quite easy to beat yourself up if a customer's not quite happy or if you're not quite happy yourself with a certain trim you've got to give yourself a bit of grace you might not have done that job before it's going to take a couple of times for it to look how you want it to look you can be Um, the best groomer in the world you're never ever going to please every single customer and mm -hmm. i used to get really downhearted if somebody you know would say oh i didn't really like didn't really like what you did last time or yeah the best one is did you do the dog last time because it didn't look like what you normally do and because obviously if you if you're in a salon where there's more than one of you grooming yeah and if you're if you are a perfectionist as such even when you're learning at the beginning you're still going to want to make everything like look as good as you as you can and even when you've been grooming 10 years you're still going to want to do that and if you're trying to keep get things perfect and that really means a lot to you and getting the dog looking good is the thing that you find most rewarding which i think to a lot of groomers that is then you are going to take it personally it's just learning to put that guard up a little bit isn't it as you go along and it's learning to take that on your shoulders look at what actually the situation is because nine times out of ten grumbles that customers have got really you can think oh well i had to do that because the legs were really naughty so it had to go a bit shorter nine times out of ten really it's not really your fault and it's no. not their fault either but there's always a re there's usually a reason yeah. why to do what you've had to do That's or, it. you know so but you're never going to please everybody but yeah i used to get really downhearted and downbeat if a customer was you know having a bit of a grumble about something but but now it still obviously gets to me a little bit now but i just try and look at it as right what can we do to sort it out what actually happened look back and then go oh right well, yeah that makes sense look yeah. at the record. i'd always keep records and that and then and it's just you- being logical about it and trying to yeah. not sort of like I, th- I think it's really good to like um, a counsellor said if you take time to breathe before you react like yes. usually you can see the more sensible side whereas if you just react straight away that's all your feelings all your emotions everything's gonna come out jumbled because you're just reacted without actually taking that moment to look at the full situation and take a breath yeah and and so, thinking about it like you say before you're speaking especially yeah. if it's customer if there's something wrong like that because you can make matters worse for yourself that's which, it you know, but yeah, I would, I, that's what I would do. I would, I'd focus more on if, if it was the younger me. I'd focus more on me and my goals and what I want to achieve, and just trying to be the best that I can be, and just dealing with problems because there's always going to be problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I like there is, you know, about everything. You've just got to. It's just a way of trying to deal with them rather than letting them get to you or burying your head in the sand. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a really good answer. I think that that will uh, relate to a lot of people listening. And so what is it about our industry that you yeah. think impacts on our mental health the most? I think that sort of stuff that we've just discussed, obviously, yeah. on our mental health. And I think with the increase 
recently in recent years of social media with your Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. There's loads of blog groomers on these platforms and some obviously are really amazing and you know some are not amazing but obviously everyone puts their best work on social media or, or you'd like to yeah. think that they would and I think it's particularly if you're a newer groomer to the industry you know you can you can look at some of this uh, at the work that's been put on them and be like oh my god I'm never going to be able to do that I'm never going to be that good and and just that that feeling of not feeling good enough I think that's yeah. even though in many ways there's loads of good about the social for the industry there's also that negative side to it where I think it can make people not feel a lot good enough and stuff yeah and I think like you're definitely right and I think like also if you look at it sort of like inside grooming is the same as outside grooming like when you see things and you might see a model showing off like the clothes you you know when you're looking through clothing websites you think oh well they're pretty well they're this well they're that and then it's the same if you're looking at your friends, what they're up to. This friend's gone on holiday here. Oh, look how good their life is. Oh, look how good this is. And it's the same with grooming. You see, like you say, the best grooms that you possibly... Someone might have been working on that breed for the last six to eight years. Exactly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that's that groom that they've done that day. They're happy with it. They've reached a goal they want to reach. And you're sitting there having groomed two years and never probably touched the breed in your life, got one in next week, thinking, I can't make it look like that. Exactly. Like, of course you can't nobody can when they're that new right exactly so yeah i think social media is you know sometimes it does have a lot to answer for <laughs> yeah can you think of a time um that you have learned from a mistake either in the salon or in the show ring lots <laughs> <laughs> we all i learn. think we all do don't we best way of learning is from making a mistake isn't it really i mean it's especially like within with grooming and and showing and that you think oh shit I won't do that again you know even if it's the littlest thing but probably with the showing one of the biggest things when I hadn't been showing massively long it was the first time I'd won a CC and a best of breed okay. and it, it was with Calvin and he was only a young dog he was just over 12 months in junior and obviously I'd won the ticket and the best of breed and it was amazing and I was buzzing because obviously as you know from showing yeah, it's a big that's deal amazing. yeah um but then obviously after that, you then have to go and put yourself in the group ring with all the right. other best winners, which is, if you've never done it before, that's pretty daunting. As you know, but a lot of the listeners won't, at dog shows, all the breeds are shown uh, individually in their specific breed in their individual rings. So if you go to a big dog show, then there's about 40 different rings. But then obviously later on in the day, when all the best breeds are declared, they will then go through to the groups, which is one main ring. It's a big, big ring, so practically... All the breed judging is finished then. So primarily 90% of the people at the show that are still there, because it's usually at the end of the day when the groups are on, they're gathered around the best in show ring. So there's usually a lot of people around this ring. So obviously the pressure's on. Yeah. Going back to the nervous thing, obviously I was bricking it before I went. <laughs> Luckily, Calvin was quite chilled. He was a bit too chilled at some times. That's why we stopped showing him in the end, because he was got really lazy in the ring and he couldn't bother to walk around. So I went into the ring and Mike told me explained to me like do this do that you know what you know what michael's like who i'm now in partnership with on a lot of the dogs but i didn't really know him that well then but he was kind of helping me a little bit because he knew that i'd never i've not been in there before so he was like just go in you'll you know, you'll have to go around and do this because i've never been in the grooming before no of course uh, and um so anyway we you go in in alphabetical order with your breeds and i, I went in walked around to the end 
And obviously Bijan, I was the first, I was the first one to go in because there was no <laughs> yeah, there. Typical. Was, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was going in first. All these breeds were behind me. Probably they all knew what they were doing, more than likely. So I went round and 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 stood and the judge assessed my dog on the table. That all went fine. And I moved to Calvin around and it was all good. And then off, the judge makes a short list in the group before he picks. So if there's like okay. 20 in the group. The judge will usually make a shortlist probably of about eight dogs, something like that. So he'll pick what he'll, he'll point and he'll pick he'll pick the the dogs that he wants to shortlist. So anyway, we were all stacked our dogs up, and I was obviously the first dogs. And usually he'll start at the first dog and make his way down. He'll go you you you, and he'll pull you out to go to the centre of the ring. Well, I was far too busy on focusing on Calvin. He was stood right, his hair was immaculate and all this, and his legs were in the right position. I was messing around with him for that long that in the end, he was a foreign judge, and he went, hello, sir, like that, really, <laughs> because he was caught, because I'd actually made the shortness, which was great, but I weren't paying any attention to what he was doing. I was just too busy <laughs> back with the dog. So I was like, because usually they just point and then you go out. But because I was just was not looking at him at all, he was pointing at me, pointing at me. And it's in the end, <laughs> point, it's like, hello, sir. Like, yeah, I was like, sorry. And then I went out to the middle of the room. So, yeah, that was when I learned, right, you've really got to not just focus on one thing in here when you're in this ring. You've got to keep your eye on your dog. You've got to keep your eye on the ring procedure. What's going on around the ring? You've got to keep your eye on the judge because yeah. because of that, you know, they're, they're going to ask you to do different things. So, yeah, that was probably the big thing that I learned from. And ever since then, I was on. I always had another eye on what the judge would be. If I was looking at my dog, I always had an eye on the judge at the same time as well. I can actually <laughs> imagine that. If someone just goes, excuse me, hello, hello. Yeah. You're just like, la, 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 <laughs> look at the dog. Um, so I felt a little bit of a prat, but yeah <laughs> but it's your first time you don't know you don't know do you do you know what I mean I've done loads of stuff in the ring that I shouldn't do I still do <laughs> no, yeah no, you're funny you so what would you say is the best change that you've seen in our industry the best change going back to the social media thing and, and we've discussed like the negative sides of it I think one of the most positive sides of it that I think is brilliant is the learning is so much more accessible when I first started grooming, when I finished, when I was 19, which was, I'm um, 41, but when I was not... I couldn't believe I, that when you said that the other day. I was like, what? I, can't, I said it publicly. I'm a bit depressed. Well, I was 19 years old when I started grooming, and basically I was working at the co-op in Kettering, not on the food bit. I was selling all the TVs and the DVD players and stuff like nice. that. And my stepdad, bless him, he ain't with us anymore, he got made redundant and he got a bit of, quite a bit of money. And I've my dog obsession was obviously it had been ongoing since I was a kid, and I, I always wanted. Swing. Yeah, and I knew that I always wanted to work with dogs, so I came up with this idea of asking him if he would lend me a bit of money to go on a, an intensive dog grooming course, and then open in a little grooming salon in Kettering because there wasn't one salon in Kettering there, not like now. Wow. <laughs> grooming wasn't as popular as what it is. I mean, it's just exploded over the last five years. Yeah. So he thought it was a good. He was a bit of a bit of a businessy sort of man and he thought yeah there, you know there could be some in here there's not an actual salon in Kettering so um I went and did my course and then I did a six-week intensive course there was no qualification in that I did my qualifications later on at Look North with Zoe and Joanne mm -hmm. so I came back from this course and it was a brilliant course they you know they taught scissoring which again I think don't... not taught enough now in I don't think so no well scissoring's a dying art 
I absolutely love scissoring, my passion, I love it. And sadly, with the invention of comb attachments, they're brilliant, but they um, they make us lazy. <laughs> yeah. But good for salon work. I mean, you've got to, you know, get dogs out and make money. They're great for that, but I wish more people would learn about scissoring. But anyway, I'm going off topic. But I came back from my course and all I had in my hands was a grooming book on each breed. I didn't really have any support, any backup, any references to... Because the internet wasn't even a big thing then. God, I sound really prehistoric, don't I? No, I remember but, it being like that. I do as well. It's not that yeah. long ago, is it? And it was so daunting. I was in... I, opened, I had this little salon and it was just me when I first started. And it was so scary sometimes because you'd think, well, I did one of that on my course. And you look back on the notes that you've made on your course and you think, right... But now it's fun. You can go on YouTube and have a look. You can go on someone's Instagram who you know show has got that breed or was a fabulous groomer of that breed. You've got references all the time. There's there's courses that you can view online, and there's so much content out there online for learning. Yeah, I think that's the the best thing that's happened. But it is a double edged sword as well, like everything. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that education is probably like what most people sort of think. And I, I can understand why, because grooming schools are popping up left, right and centre as much as grooming salons are, aren't they? Everyone, everyone's teaching nowadays. And then, like you say, you've got online, you've got social media, you've got YouTube, all, all the things. Um, and out so, there. I find it is that it is out there. If you want to, yeah. there's something you want to get better at, there's something you want to improve on, whether it be breed specific or whether it's more of a generalization in grooming it's so much more accessible now than what it was back then and yeah I think... and I I was going to say what you said earlier about sort of when you first learn to groom not perhaps getting the chance of doing like full scissors or anything like this like at least now when you finish that first course or whatever you've done you can yeah. then go on a seminar and or go on a workshop and learn these things and there's people who yeah. are so happy to help you yeah. and like what, what you actually did say about scissoring and why you like it and that, I always find actually when you get your head into scissoring a dog and you've got a nice bit of music on in the background or whatever, it's quite almost meditating because you don't think yeah. of anything else. You lose yourself in your scissors, don't you? Yeah, it's literally like, you know, it, uh, I can't describe it really. And, and it's like anything. So people do struggle with it, but it, the more and more you stick with it, the more you practice at it, the better that you're going to get. And I mm -hmm. always say, a lot, of, a lot of groomers have said to me, if, like if, when I've done seminars and stuff or demos and that, they say, and I take a Bichon, for instance, they say, well, I don't have any customers in that want them like that, or I don't do any that are like that, so how can I practice? And I say, well, if you get a dog in with a good coat, do it at a reduced rate if they don't want it like that. Or when I was when I was trying to get better with scissoring, even if they wanted it shorter, I'd I'd do some scissoring on the dog and then I'd just whack it off with a comb attachment afterwards. Yeah. But it, if because you can, can't you? Yeah, and if you've got nothing there to, to practice on, then that, that's what I do. Well, there's the model dogs now, which I think are good, but obviously it's not the same as working on a real life dog. Have you ever tried one? No, I haven't. Neither have I, no. <laughs> I'd like to, but I've never had a I'm just interested life. because, like I say, it's just the idea of it's a brilliant idea. I've just not got round to having a go on one yet. I've not, I just, I just haven't. <laughs> probably easier really because it's going to stand there like a rock and not move yeah for a start. so you can do you know if you want to do the underline you could turn it upside down and do it like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> turn the underline into the top line just for a couple of seconds <laughs> yeah so it probably is 
happier, really. But yeah, I've never tried it, but maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think still needs to change in the industry? I think the biggest problem in the industry, one of the biggest issues at, at, at the moment is, and I see it a lot on social media, and it goes back, it, it goes back to social media again, and it goes back to teaching and stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of people out there I'm probably being a bit controversial when I say it, but I don't care. Um, I think there's people out there teaching when really they haven't got the skills to be teach the skill set to be teaching what they're teaching, and they're not actually fully knowledgeable on what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you're a groom, if you're a newer groomer and you don't know any better, then you're going to be you're going to think a certain way. I mean, there's always more than one way to do something, but if you're yeah, looking at you're looking at a finished product and you know what that should look like and it looks really, really off and not how it should look. And then that person's charging somebody £100 to watch them doing it, to do something wrong. I yeah, think it's we... not. I, get what, I do get what you're saying. And... and I think another problem is, as well, because of the explosion of cockapoos, cabochons, cavapoos, all that, we're not seeing as many pure breed pedigree dogs in our in our salons. So therefore, right. a lot more groomers are not getting the experience to learn these breed specific trims. So when there is people out there te- teaching that, mm-hmm. and it's not correct, then they're not going to know any of it. I mean, you've only got to go to a grooming competition now to when. I used to compete. I haven't competed for a long, long time. But but I went to a grooming competition recently and literally the pure breed section was like a corner of the room and mm. the rest, all of the room was like crossbreeds, like cockapoos and yeah. like that. And I know that's just the way it's going these days. And I know it's the fashion and all that, but I just think it's such a shame because Sad. so many lovely breeds that look amazing in their breed standard trims. And if you think back to balance, shape, symmetry, all that, which is so, so important on breed standard trimming, you, you can incorporate that more. You can incorporate that onto your crossbreed. So I think it's really important for the groomers to try and learn their breed standard trims because it will help their everyday grooming for crossbreeds as well, not just for the pedigree dog. Yeah, it helps you learn like coat types, balance, shape, all the things that you said. And it's like when you learn anything, you learn your core bit first and then you expand on it, don't you? If you think about like almost like a tree, you grow your trunk, you grow all your, you know, your main branches and then it filters out into the little leaves. So you're learning. I think it's really important. Yeah. I think if you're a newer groomer and you are going to, you know, log on to a, a, an online course or uh, or something like that or watch a webinar or have a little have a little look around at all sorts of people that are specialised in that particular subject, that particular breed, just before you click to pay £100 and you're watching something that really probably isn't that great. Isn't that great. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you say, it's about doing your research because there are loads of really talented, helpful people out there, there who are absolutely gagging oh. to help you. And sometimes it's... Sometimes it's not about who screams the loudest, is it? Sometimes it's about looking on things like your groomer's spotlight to see who's who's done what, who, you know, what grooms you want to aspire to, asking or someone who you know is in the breed. On their Instagram or looking at their Facebook or, or something like that, just, just looking around a little bit more. You know, like what you would do if you were, sh- if you were, if you were shopping for a house or a car, you'd look mm-hmm. around, wouldn't you? Just, I think 
it's the problem with social media it with that again is sometimes it's the person that shouts the loudest on social media and who's got the most followers and all that but yeah, yeah some of them are fantastic but there's a lot of other people out there that are, you know, probably just Equally as good. as good or better. Okay. <laughs> and so last question, how do you like to relax when you're not showing and you're not grooming? Oh, well, um, I like to see more friends. I've got, you know, friends, family, and I like to go out for a nice meal and drinks. And you have to switch off. You can't, you know, especially doing grooming for a living and show, you know, having your show dogs. People say to me, God, when do you ever switch off from dogs? you know I'll see dogs in my sleep but it is important to switch off from that completely and take yourself out for a few hours go and see a friend go shopping go and have something to eat and chill out go to the cinema all yeah. stuff like that. I went and see and Madonna I think, concert oh yes I can't believe you saw Madonna was she good that was really good and I was sat near Rita Ora that was even more amazing I like, actually I really like Rita Ora actually it was really good so yeah I forgot I was a dog groomer that night trust me I bet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I um I like to try and do some stuff away from it because you have to actually just go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I think especially this time of year when t- nights are darker, it's yeah. easy to just settle in at home and just you know hermit yourself in. But it is important to keep up that social action, and even when you're off, make an effort go and see a friend that you don't normally get time to go and see. Definitely, like you say, this this time of year in particular, definitely because like. I'm not a big lover of the winter. I hate it when it gets dark so early. It's, it depresses me a little bit. But, you know, going out and, you know, not being a hermit. <laughs> yeah. It's fall into that, especially, you know, after COVID. I think a lot of people went into their own bubble a little bit, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me, Rich. It's been a pleasure. I hope it's been all right for you. Yeah. No, really good. So, yeah, thank you very much. And I will say goodbye. Take care. I always enjoy a chat with Rich. He's so down to earth. If you ever get the chance to compete under him, then I highly recommend that you do, as he gives really good feedback and really knows his stuff. This is the end of the second series of Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. So, a massive thank you to all of my guests. Stuart Simons, Kevin Simpson, Rebecca McFadden, Sally Hart, Ioni Georgiakis, Vanessa from Shit on the Table, Janet Tandy, Kelly Cecarelli, Lorraine Mottishead, Laura J. Clegg, Gary Gray, Alison Rogers, Pammy Carmichael Hogg, Verity Hardcastle, Cheryl Howard, Costin Stoyker, and Rich Smith. That's 11 groomers, two traders, a neurodivergent expert, a compassionate inquiry professional, and a sinophobia coach. I hope to be back in the new year most likely in the last week of January. I already have several groomers lined up to talk to and I now need to pin down some mental health professionals too. Anyway, I hope you have a happy Christmas to those who do Christmas and a happy holiday for everyone else. Be kind to yourself and reach out so you aren't alone at this time of year, even if it's just having a phone around of your friends that you haven't seen in a while. Enjoy the small things and most importantly, be kind to yourself. Earlier on in the week, I'd put a post up on Wellbeing for Dog Groomers on Facebook to see if anyone wanted to send in any Christmas messages or tips. So, before I go, here are some messages from the listeners. Morning, folks. I'm Amanda. I'm Claire. And we're from Strip and Style in Ayrshire. Um, and we're discussing the Christmas rush today. Yep. Just a wee bit of advice to groomers out there. Just 
don't feel pressured to take on too many dogs over Christmas because customers will try and put you under pressure. Also remember there's loads of chocolates and wine this time of the year, so that should get you through. <laughs> Lots of coffee. And yet, like Amanda says, don't put too much pressure on yourself because you're only one person, or in our case, the three of us. Help each other out as well. Yeah, yeah, help each other. We're, we're really good at that. If, you know, one person's free and somebody's really busy, we'll pitch in and help each other. Um, but it is a tough time of year, and remember that it's really important to take your time off over the festive period, and overall self-employed, and it can be difficult, but take as much time as you can afford to take, and just chill because you're just coming straight back to it in January and it's full steam ahead usually. Yeah, and remember when you do have your time off to actually switch off. Don't be messaging customers and, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. Take the time off, wind down and chill. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Have a lovely time. Bye. Hello, everybody. Colin Taylor here with a little tip just to say, please don't get caught up in the rat race of thinking that you have to compete and you have to do this and you have to do that to be an accepted groomer within the industry because you don't. All you have to do is run your own race. And if I could give you any recommendations, it would be to run your business well, treat your customers like gold because they're the ones which truly do matter because they're the ones who put food on your table and pay your bills. So enjoy what you do. Continue the education because that is key. So I do say you recommend that. And if you do want to compete, compete. But just remember, it's a very small part of the industry. Thanks. Have a great holiday. When people ask for just a tidy up because they want it longer for winter or they want it to look fluffy for Christmas, still take some of the ends off. When you get those coats where there's not a knot in it, it's not matted or anything like that, but the comb doesn't glide through, that split ends and hair damage or breakage, whatever you want to call it, you need to trim those ends off. So even if you do scissor over comb or a really long comb attachment, still take the ends off and charge them the full price as well. Don't let them talk you into a tidy up to get a better price and not come as often because next time it will come in matted and then come January, you'll have loads of matted clip-offs to do. That's my tip and that's Terry Hardwick from Career Hounds. Merry Christmas, everyone. Briggsy here. My top tip this Christmas is to save all your clients' gifts and stuff and re-gift them to family members you don't like very much. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening in this series to each and every one of you. It's a pleasure to have you listening and it makes me so happy when I hear people are enjoying the show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Cheerio.